Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Just Sports and in today's episode we're going to be talking about the NCAA Men's Top 10. We're actually going to revisit from when I did the NCAA Men's Top 10 back in episode 10 I believe it was and we're going to be looking at those top 10 teams and the new top 10 that I have and discussing uh, who's now in there and what's changed. And then at the end of the top 10, we'll go back and talk about the teams that are now out of the top 10, why I moved them out, that kind of thing. And then also in this episode, you are going to get my exclusive NFL Super Bowl picks. So that'll be toward the end of the NCAA men's top 10. So listen through. If you want my Super Bowl picks, they'll exclusively be on here on this podcast. So with that, we'll get right into it and we'll talk about the top 10. So uh, what we have here is number 10, Alabama, is our first newcomer to the list. I have them a bit higher than most people, but here's why. They have been beating teams that others have been losing to in their conference. They beat number 8 ranked Auburn, and yes, I know, they struggled to beat other ranked teams. But I also like that they have six seniors, five who play regular minutes. They also have six freshmen, two of which get regular minutes. And they go nine deep with players who play 10 minutes or more a game. And that's one of the things that I find kind of important is that, you know, you have experience on your roster and you have youthful energy as well. And when you can kind of combine those two things, it makes for a pretty strong team in the sense of having energy, but also having experience. And Alabama seems to be doing well with that and they're growing and uh, beating teams. So they kind of come up in a list here. Uh, they also have four scorers who can score 10 points per game or more. And they have another guy that's like, I think, eight, about eight points per game. So, you know, that's really key when you're talking about uh, if you lose somebody or somebody gets hurt, then you can kind of have some slack, you know, some other people to pick up that uh, part of, of your game. So Alabama's looking pretty good. And they'll be our newcomer to the top 10 here. And we'll probably have some others. So number 10, Alabama. Number nine is Iowa State. And they're another new entry to the top 10. I'm not totally convinced on Iowa State yet. However, they have won five out of the last eight games. And three of those wins came against ranked teams, including Kansas and Houston. And three of their losses came against ranked teams, Oklahoma, BYU, and Baylor. So, one thing that's for sure is I feel like they've been not only good, but been playing a lot of tough teams. Now you could kind of argue like that might hurt them at come tournament time, but that's a, that's a little bit of discussion from what a uh, different discussion of what we're trying to do here. But that may be something that could hurt them in, in the long run is that they've played too, too many hard teams and beaten themselves up. But what I do like about it is it shows grit, it shows toughness, it shows no fear they are going to be well prepared or should be against teams that, uh, you know, will have a good draw in a tournament that might have a little more of a, a regional kind of home crowd, if you will. So, um, you know, and they could even move it, move up into like where they might be in the Midwest where they might have a little more of a home crowd. So I think either way, they're going to be really good to handle in the neutral sites that they play at or supposedly neutral sites to play at because they've already been playing a lot of these teams. And when they won against some of those ranked teams, two of those were Kansas and Houston, Houston with a really good D and Kansas with really good athleticism all across the board. So that seems like they can sort of handle whatever sort of team is thrown at them. 
they do tend to be a little bit scatterbrained at times. Uh, you know, some of their losses is kind of like, why did that happen? Uh, but all in all, they're they're one of the teams on this list that's played a lot of a lot of good ranked teams, and I feel like could move up this list based on that as we go along here, and we'll talk about that once we get uh, through the list. But Iowa State newcomer list, and we'll see where they go from here. Marquette number eight. I don't really trust this team, and part of this has to do with the conference they're in, and we'll get on that a little bit more as we go through, but. They just, they've been fairly solid and are on a six game winning streak. So there is that. They beat Creighton and St. John, who are pretty much the other two good teams other than UConn in their conference. But other than that, I'm just not sure about the strength of this conference. We'll know more once they actually play the currently top ranked team in the country, which is UConn. They have yet to play them. Uh, and if they win that, I'll have much more trust in them. But this is one of these conferences where I feel like there's probably like four good teams including Marquette and UConn. There's not really a lot of depth, I think, to this conference. However, a lot of people, a lot of people outside of me do see that for whatever reason. So I do take that into account as well when I'm making these rankings is what others see as well. Um, so Marquette, number eight, uh, like I said, they've been on a six-game winning streak, so they kind of jumped in here. Uh, they could potentially go up in the rankings if they were able to handle UConn, but I don't know how much more they're not playing a whole lot of other ranked teams other than if anybody gets ranked in their conference. So we'll see where that goes. Number seven, Duke. Now, they have only lost two games out of their last 13. However, that competition wasn't the best to measure against. They played a lot of bottom feeders in their conference and some other things. But, again, consistency is a big thing to me. Even if you're not playing the best teams, you know, we see other teams that will drop a game that's really bad. So, you know, having continuity and winning versus any kind of team you're playing is still a good boon to have. And so with Duke winning two other last – or, excuse me, having only lost two other last 13 and now having Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell back full health, uh, you know, which is a very good thing. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I'm willing to keep them high in the rankings is that they should potentially getting get better and better and better. Now, they did lose to UNC, but for me, that was expected because I, as we see here in the rankings and as we saw in my other rankings, I have UNC high. And so I and this was UNC. They played Duke played UNC at home. Uh, well, Duke played at UNC, so at UNC's home. So I expected Duke to lose this game. I would have thought Duke would have played a little bit better than they did. But again, I'm not going to punish Duke for losing to a team that I thought was going to be better and win that game. Uh, the schedule gets tougher for Duke after the next two games. And so Duke will have a real good opportunity to go higher in the rankings here. And they'll also have an opportunity to slip out of the rankings, depending on what happens not only in their next two, but the other ones. Uh, now, a team that is still great is Houston. And after watching them a little bit more, I'm I'm a little dismayed by their offense. I think they need to find an offensive go-to guy, or at the very least, they need to have their offensive sets down pat to perfection. And it seems like they're they're a bit off on that. Now, that's not necessarily uncommon for Houston. Houston's always been a great defensive team, but they've struggled a little bit offensively in years. So that's something that Kelvin Sampson needs to get a hold of there, and they need to be able to dominate teams offensively, um, or at least be able to 
have a good identity offensively, and not just against mediocre teams, but against the, the big tough teams like Kansas, who beat them and showed everyone how to beat them. The problem with all the other teams playing Houston is that you're not Kansas, and you don't have this kind of roster that Kansas does. And we'll get to Kansas here in a little bit, but Kansas, for elite teams that are going to play Houston, Kansas gave a blueprint on how to do that. Number five, I have Tennessee, and Tennessee has only lost two games out of the last 14. That's huge. That's big. I mean, only two. The problem is one of those losses came to Mississippi State, which is a bad loss. They should not have lost that game. It was a horrible loss for Tennessee. They got to do a lot better than that. And having a, a tape out there like that where a team who doesn't have a ton of talent in Mississippi State beat you sort of puts something on film of what other teams can do to you that aren't as talented. So that's that's bad news for Tennessee is now that that, that tape is out there. But uh, they did beat South Carolina, but they uh, should have played better against them. Uh, but overall, you know, it was a good team, good win or whatever. Um, Tennessee has improved its three-point percentage to 34%. I think last they were around barely at 33%. So if they can keep bringing that up, that's going to be a, a really big difference maker for them. And they got to be able to keep doing that and keep improving their team and just have consistency. And I think sometimes with Tennessee, it's getting down on themselves uh, and they can't afford to do that. But overall, they're playing very well. They're making it tough for teams to beat them inside or out. Number four, I have Kansas. And Kansas is, uh, I don't know, Kansas, Kansas, I'm losing a bit of faith of. Uh, they seem sort of Jekyll Hyde. And they have played some tough games lately, however. But if they want to be the ones winning the championship, they got to find a way to keep their composure in close games and close out. Uh, we saw this with Kansas State recently. Just Kansas State had their number, and they just couldn't close them down. They couldn't get ahead of them and close them down. For some reason, they don't seem to get tough when a team finds a way to have their number. So that's – and I don't get it. Bill Self, you know, has two championships, and there's times where you're just looking at Bill Self and his Kansas team and going, what is the problem? You have all the talent. You had stretches in a year where you were dominating, and then you just fall apart. So there's something about the mental awareness, mental mentality, I think, with Kansas and their players. And I don't know if it's that sometimes maybe they feel – like they're on top of the world and they just sort of lose it. And I'm talking about like in games, this happens, you know, let alone stretches of their season, but they've got to somehow fortify against that. And I think if they can, and they go on to win some other ranked opponents that are coming up, that this could be a team that could easily jump up into the three or the number two or one position for me. It just depends on what I see with them and their mental mentality of all this, but they've got to find a way to get that, composure, get ahead of teams, and or uh, not let teams come back and be able to close these games out. Uh, UNC is our number three ranked team, and they could have easily been number two, uh, but we'll get to why they're not here in a second. But they have won 11 of their last 13 games, and the only problem was they had a bad loss in that time, which came against a not-so-good Georgia Tech team, and that was that was a bad loss. Uh, their win against Duke had them looking dominant again, which is great. But, you know, they got up on themselves or got too big on themselves or whatever they did, and then they dropped the game to Clemson. Now, I will say this. 
I will give Clemson all the credit in the world. And we're not going to go on too much about Clemson here, but I will say that if you'd watch that game, Clemson played very well. They were up to the task. They were ready to take them. And I don't know if it was, again, UNC went out and partied and got all happy or whatever, but they just, they just weren't bringing their A game against Clemson. And they should have beat Clemson. Now, don't get me wrong. Clemson's not a bad team at all. They're, they're one of the better ones that are non-ranked, and they'll probably be in a tournament. But it was just one of those games where when you're watching it, it's like all the little things that UNC didn't do. It's like they took it for granted having beat Duke. They were like, oh, okay, we can do this, and they did. There was box outs that weren't made. There was uh, just some acrobatic off-balance shots that they really didn't need to have or do that didn't go in. Uh, there was just lack of defensive awareness, mental awareness when it comes to where players are and how they're setting the play up. It's just a lot of little stuff that just gave Clemson the extra edge to beat them. And for as, like, I want to say bad, but for as off-kilter as UNC was in that game, they could have won that game. So I still think USC is one of the better – UNC is one of the better teams. It's one of the reasons they're still in the top three. But I just – after that Clemson loss, I could not put them at number two. It was, it was, to me, it was a team they should have beat. They could have beat, despite that team playing well. UNC still had the talent and just didn't get it done. And you've got to be able to start getting it done going into March. And so our number two team, number two team, Purdue, they could easily be number one on this list. Uh, but after watching, I watched a game where Edie was just just what. And don't get me wrong, the numbers he was still dominant, but he just wasn't as efficient as he should have been. And he was a little bit off and it made me kind of wonder what their B plan is. Cause it seemed like the guards are trying to pick up stuff, but then Edie was off and then they're trying to run stuff through Edie, but he wasn't getting it done. And it, and yet their talent still kept them afloat, but it could have been worse. It could have backfired on them and they could have really lost that game. Uh, and so I kept kind of wondering, I'm like, it seems like Matt Painter is relying too much on the stars to execute you know, and doesn't maybe, you know, help the team out with trying to find a new a, a way to get a player involved that is seeing it better or, or however, you know, um, he just doesn't at times adjust well in the moment. Uh, I think he's done a little bit better, but he's got to do, you know, better than that. And I think the Purdue players, as long as they're under, they understand, they got to pick up their game when ED is off. Uh, I think they'll be okay. And, and Painter, you know, one thing for the future here, and we can talk about this another time, but I think Matt Painter has to take that next step in his coaching. Like I think Purdue has to start being this kind of team in the Duke, in the Kansas, in, uh, you know, uh, UNC molds, UConn molds where they're, it's not just the first two rounds. It's, you know, elite eight, final four, championship like he, he has painter has to keep purdue in those those conversations year after year after year not just conversations but actually getting there and getting that done like it has to happen i don't want to say painter should be let go from purdue but i mean what if what if purdue goes out in the second round this tournament i mean what you know come on like you you don't have you've had this is like the most talent and, and best put together probably the Purdue team has been years. And I'm not saying they should necessarily win it because, you know, UConn still looks good. UNC looks, Kansas looks good for sure. But short of one of these more elite teams beating you, 
you can't have keep having upsets and stuff in a tournament. Like at some point, the Purdue brass may have to look at it and say, if it's another, you know, uh, out right away or only two wins in and we're out, like you may have to start discussing Matt Painter's future. Like at some point you may have to try to find a coach that can get it done in there. Um, but for now, you know, we'll see how Purdue does and they should keep dominating for the most part. Number one team, UConn. And then UConn beat UNC early in the year. And after the whooping that UNC put on Duke, that made UConn look even better. Now, granted, like I said, you, you, uh, UNC did lose to Clemson, but Clemson's a good team. So, you know, the, the wins like that, that UConn have keep them up there. And I'm just not actually all that convinced that UConn is actually the number one team, but beating UNC early in the year certainly helps that case. And the other thing is they have 10 wins in a row, despite what you want to say about their conference, despite what you want to say about those wins, it's 10 wins in a row that keeps this team at number one, but UNC, Purdue, I think Kansas, Tennessee, I think they all have a lot of good ranked opponents coming. Uh, granted, it might be in conference, but then, you know, in order for me to keep UConn at number one, I have to see how they're winning by, how they're doing it by. And I think Purdue or UNC or one of these other teams might be able to take over the number one spot, even if UConn continues to win. So keep, keep that in mind as we go forward here. We'll see what happens. But for now, UConn's still winning straight on on wins and got that streak going, it's it's tough for me to replace them at number one. And again, taking into account that that's what a lot of other people, you know, think and because UConn won it the last time, it's, it's hard to unseat them right now at that spot. But that is our top 10 and hope you enjoyed that. And now we're going to talk about the teams that I dropped out of my ranking. So Baylor, probably our biggest drop. They were previously ranked at number seven, but they lost three of their last five games. And yes, they did just beat Iowa State, who I have at number nine. But that may be the catalyst that may help them get them back in if they continue to do well. Four of their next six games comes against currently ranked teams. So for now, they're going to be out, but they're sitting at the door. And if they can pull these other games off and win and, and look good doing so, they, they all have a chance to get back in these rankings. They're just for now, they just have to sit out because of what happened with them. Now, uh, Memphis was previously ranked eight, and they lost four straight, four straight to non-ranked in-conference teams, and that's not a conference that's super great. They do have some good teams in there, but that was a big blow, and I don't think Memphis is going to be able to recover from that and get back in these rankings. Uh, I'd have to look ahead and see what all who all they're playing, but I just don't think they're going to be playing enough uh, ranked teams to get back up there. Something's just not right. With Memphis, uh, perhaps the wins will get them back on track, but I doubt we'll see them again in the rankings. Wisconsin, previous rank was 10. Could argue that they still deserve to be in. I mean, the coaches poll has them at 9. I can't remember the AP. I think had them at 10. Uh, but for my, for me, they're just going to be sitting there with Baylor on the doorstep uh, after back-to-back -back losses. Uh, so, again, you know, Big Ten, they'll have opportunity to – work that schedule, get wins, and make a statement to me about getting back in my top 10, but it will depend on how the, my other teams rank there do as well. So those are the teams that dropped out. Those are the top 10 for the NCAA. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, and now, without further ado, I'm going to be letting you guys know about the Super Bowl here and my pick coming up. So 
We have the Chiefs and the 49ers, and I think it will be a good Super Bowl overall. I think both these teams are super competitive. I think that they're excited to be there. You got to you got to think for certain that the 49ers are, are super excited to be there because of it being in Vegas. They should have a lot of fans out there uh, and whatnot. And I think also, you know, that the 49ers – had a chance to get there before and it didn't, it didn't happen. Uh, and the chiefs, of course, it's just like same old, same old, right? Like that's the expectation at this point, but the chiefs are the team that, you know, have been there, done this with Andy Reid, Mahomes, Kelsey, 10 other players on the roster front roster from last year. They know how to do this and they probably had no greater test than in the, in the Baltimore Ravens, a team that had been super efficient up till that game that they had played. And, they're just experienced for this, but make no mistake. The 49ers guys actually have the more talented roster overall. They do. They just do. I don't care what you say about the chiefs winning super bowl last year. There was a lot of guys that got replaced on the chiefs and the 49ers have been building their team. I think when you piece it all together and compare, I think the 49ers actually have a better talented roster and guys like Debo, IU, Kittle, Judzik, and least we forget, Christian McCaffrey are all instant playmakers who can do multiple things on the field. And Kyle Shanahan is no joke. He's probably one of the few coaches in the NFL that could literally match up call for call, offensively speaking, against Andy Reid. And so there's that. And that's that's got to be a big concern if you're the Chiefs in this in this uh, Super Bowl is that the 49ers can come back and offensively do what you you know do if not better uh the 49ers have also shown composure on defense at key times even when they've given up yards and scores they seem to find a way to make a defensive play when they absolutely need to uh but most of the time the super bowl comes down to two things that coaches speak about the whole year one is turnovers and two is mental toughness mental discipline Typically, the two teams who have made the least amount of turnovers, penalties, or bad play calls end up playing each other. And that's what we're seeing here. But the one who does better in the Super Bowl is typically the winner. Thus, based on all of that that I just said, I predict the Kansas City Chiefs win this game 30-27. to So again, I predict the Chiefs win the Super Bowl 30 to 27 over the San Francisco 49ers. That is my exclusive Super Bowl pick that you will only hear on here on Just Sports Podcast. And I thank you guys for listening. That's all for this podcast. Thanks for listening to Just Sports. Remember, you can get the Just Sports Podcast on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and RedCircle.com. If you would like to give us a comment or get in touch with Just Sports, go to our Facebook page, Just Sports with John. Please make a comment there. Let me know if there's something you would like for me to talk about. If you would like to share something, we'd be glad to have you make a comment and speak out on there. And again, glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Now go out and have a good day and be the best sport you can be.